1: Welcome to the Uncommon Drive podcast, where we take a look at life, leadership, and legacy through the lens of sports officiating. Now, let's join our hosts, Jeff Cross and Chad Ozzy, as we learn how to have an uncommon drive towards success. Today, Jeff, we're talking about this idea of self evaluation. Hmm. You know, I think it's one of the most difficult things that we do, not just as officials but as people. Yeah. How do we have an accurate view of how good we are? And and my favorite example of this, um, my my undergrad stuff is all in music. I I am a musician by trade. If you look over there in my office, you'll see multiple different guitars and basses and stuff everywhere. I mean, I I'm music kind of just kind of courses through me, and. Um, My most hated show of all time is American Idol. During the entire time in America where American Idol was like the biggest thing or the voice or whoever, like when it was all these great things, I could not sit through an episode. Now, there's two reasons for that. One, I have this condition. There is a name for it. But it's basically where I cannot handle somebody else being embarrassed. There used to be a, a TV show called uh, Family Matters with the nerd Urkel. Yeah, sure. sure. You know, Anytime Urkel would be getting ready to do something that I knew was going to be bad, I would get up and walk out of the room. And I would wait for it to be done, and then I'd come back in. It just makes me uncomfortable. I know it's weird. I'm weird. But it would make me uncomfortable.
2: What's the name of it? I, I don't, don't even remember okay. the name. All right. Somebody all right. Google it, look it up, and send it back to us. All and right. uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll put
1: all it out there for everybody. Right. But it just it makes me so uncomfortable. Well... You take somebody who's already uncomfortable with that and you add in this concept on American Idol where they would bring in some people that were good hmm. but they brought in other people who thought they were good. And these people would get their 15 seconds of fame. It wasn't 15 minutes. It was 15 seconds right. of fame yep. where they're singing and they think they are the greatest thing in the whole world and they cannot hold pitch. Hmm. They can't sing a tune. I mean, it's... It's horrific. It would make me so uncomfortable and I hated it. And part of the reason that I hated it is because I saw the genuine heartbreak in some of these people when things would go out online talking about how horrible they were. When all they'd ever heard their whole life was how good they were because mom and dad had told them... How good they were, and their elementary music teacher had told them how good they were, and their friends had told them how good they were when they went out to karaoke or whatever else. Yep. But when they got on a big stage where real talent was being evaluated, they found out not from their self evaluation, but from external evaluation, what people really thought of them. So we carry that over to the world of officiating or the world of parenting, whatever, right, Mm -hmm. sometimes it's really difficult to have accurate evaluation of how good we are or aren't. So let's specifically talk officiating here for a little bit. What are some of the key ways that we begin to evaluate not only our performance, but our abilities when it comes to being an official?
2: Well, the first phrase that comes to mind is, and I've said it in many, many camps, you're not near as good as you think you are. You have to keep that in your head somewhere. Because if you are always telling yourself how great you are and you're no good, you will never work for improvement. You will never look to improve. Um, and I would say that, you know, where we struggle in this, because we you know we, we live in a, an environment now that that everyone needs to tell you warm and fussy stuff. Somebody who's 40 pounds overweight, what do we say? We don't say you're 40 pounds overweight. We say, but you carry it well. You're big bone. But I do, Jeff, I do. <laughs> That's right, you know. We say all these things instead of actually saying you're 40 pounds overweight. You know, listen, you you don't run that fast. But you look like you run fast, even though the clock tells me you're not run that fast. You know, all those things, we find all these little warm and fuzzy ways to tell you your faults. That's what happens with self-evaluation. With self-evaluation, we're telling ourselves the same warm and fuzzy stuff, and we believe it. And we're like, yeah, you know, I'm just big boned You know, I, you know, I carry it well. Or, you know, now we've got T-shirts that make us. I saw this online the other day. There was an actual T-shirt that hides your beer belly, your pot belly. That. They don't say, "Did you have to get rid of the pot belly in order for you to look good in a T-shirt?" We're just gonna make a T-shirt that helps you look better, and that's what happens when we go to when we're self-evaluating or people are evaluating. You're only listening to whatever the good people are saying. I've, I see it all the time in a in a camp setting where you give them their evaluation, and they'll go talk to three other people and go, "Hey, Jeff said I did this, this, and this." And those, those three other people, two out of the three, say, yeah, I agree. And one doesn't. Now you're best friends with the one that doesn't. Because we, we can't handle, you know, as what they say in the movie, you can't handle the truth, right? You just can't. And that is, you're, you're going to have to come to terms with accepting, as I've say, i said seen many, many times, at the altar type honesty with yourself. And you've got to find people that are around you that are going to give you at the altar type honesty that is going to work. It's it's funny, you know, as, as a baseball coach or a coach in general of youth kids, you can't just tell them you're no good at a shortstop. You can't tell them because they fold up, they wrinkle up, and they go away, and then you never see them again. You have to find a way to, okay, you're not good now, but let's let's improve. Let's work on these drills. Let's do those things. But only you know who you are. And you know what you'll respond to if you're going to respond to, hey, Chad, get your head out of your rear end and let's go do this. you got to say that to yourself. So I think that's probably the biggest thing with self-evaluation is, you know, we just need to be more honest with ourselves. Quit trying to sugarcoat things and don't just listen to all the good things you hear. You have to take in the bad.
1: So, and I think in a little bit here, we're going to get to some of those outside voices and how Mm -hmm. that plays into things. But when we're talking at first about this idea of evaluating myself, mm-hmm. okay, not what Jeff thinks about me, not what somebody else thinks about me, but what does Chad think about my ability level? What does Chad think about my performance mm-hmm. review, right? We go work a game, we should be evaluating that game every single time, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I need to have a look at what my performance was and, and we mentioned this earlier before we were talking I think sometimes um, we begin to have an inflated sense of self because I may look at a game and maybe there was a game that I really did have a hundred percent call accuracy right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, When I work baseball, um, a lot of times at the levels I work, especially the independent minor league baseball that I work, we get a, a pitch track.
2: oh sure mm-hmm. right
1: And so we know. Like, we have an immediate printout when mm-hmm. that game's done. Did we call ball strikes or did we call strikes balls?
2: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: Right? And the adage within the umpiring world is, it's okay to occasionally call a ball a strike because that gets us closer to it out. It's <laughs> never okay to call a strike a ball. That's right. That's right. <laughs> we don't want that. Yeah. Um, and I've had games where I was about as good as you could possibly get. Right? I've had games where I was not close to good. But I think sometimes, and I don't care the sport, we, we take a look at a game and we find a game where, man, we did really good, right? And so let's say if we were giving ourselves a grade, we got an A-plus on that game. And so then we walk away thinking we're an A-plus official. Mm-hmm. But maybe that game was just really easy to call. Yeah. Maybe the reason I got so many balls and strikes right was because everybody was swinging the bat, so I didn't have to make a lot of calls. Right. Maybe there weren't a lot of pitches on the corners. Yep. Maybe there wasn't a lot of block charge kind of stuff. Yeah. Maybe Tough don't... decisions, right? That's right. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, the game called itself. Mm-hmm. So for me to say, well, I'm an A-plus official on an easy game, but on a hard game, I'm something else, we still like to say, well, hey, I'm, I'm an A-plus official. Mm-hmm. I, I hear a lot of times, I hear, well, you know what? I had, I had a bad night, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Oh, that, was just, that was a bad night. Yeah. Rarely do I ever hear, man, I was so much better than I typically am.
2: <laughs> that's right. You know, so. instead
1: of saying that A plus game so. is the anomaly. Can't believe I did that good. That's right. right. <laughs> we typically say, the other, and again, it's because we have an inflated mm-hmm. sense of self. So my question for you is, how does having an inflated sense of my abilities or performance hurt me as an official?
2: Well... It's you know what what I said before basically I mean that when you're inflated when you have an inflated sense of self you're not telling you're telling yourself the truth on Monday but you're not telling yourself the truth on Wednesday and you're not recognizing the differences between A and B playing each other between C and D playing each other or whatever the you know whatever the scenario is and you know I'll, I'll relate it to well every, oh yeah I'm a good communicator. Sure, you're a good communicator with someone you've been working with for 20 years and you all know each other. You've been to the same Christmas party for, you know, and you go to each other's family reunions. Yeah, you're a good communicator with that person. But are you a good communicator with the person you just met who is, has had a terrible day? And that's where we don't we don't take in all of the aspects of what's making you what, what what's causing the self-evaluation. We're self-evaluating on one good scenario, or some are even doing it on a bad scenario, mm-hmm. and then they walk around the you know the game going, "I'm just so terrible." Why? Because I had a real bad game back in 1996, and I just can't get over it. Yeah, you know, we'll that, get to that. We'll yeah. get to that. But let's talk about that inflated sense yeah. right now. So that you know, when when you have that inflated you know sense of a uh, pride or whatever you want to call that, I think what well, we got to do we got to find the truth we got to find the truth and be willing to hear that truth. Um, I think most people that have that inflated sense of I'm really good are very rarely asking, what do you think of my work? Unless they know what the answer is going to be. You, you just don't see it, right? You don't see one who walks around strutting their stuff, how good they are, asking, Chad, hey, what'd you think of that? You know, would, would you have change anything, you know? Do you think this play? Nothing. They're not asking that because they already—they're not going to listen to anyone else. And those are the kind of people that you know get on a get on a train and start going to the moon with all their games or all their success, and then something big happens and they're off and they can't figure out what happened.
1: So whenever we have an inflated sense of who we are, what happens is is we begin to put ourselves in a category where maybe we shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. So I'll go back to that American Idol idea, right? Right. Those people did not need to be singing on national television. Mm -hmm. They just didn't. But because they had that inflated sense of self that was not accurate, they put themselves in a place that ultimately was damaging to them. Mm -hmm. Right? It, It damaged their ego. damaged their potential you know maybe they could have gotten better maybe at some point they could have done some things but but now nobody's nobody's calling them up to sing at the christmas party right because they already heard unless they're doing it in a mocking Mm -hmm. way there's some people Mm -hmm. that did that too okay well i'll take how horrible i am and i'll turn that into a career (laughs) that's right but but that's that's kind of what happens there and i think for the same thing for us as officials if i have an inflated sense of who i am i begin assuming That I belong places that maybe I don't belong. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, almost any of us could go work a scrimmage in late October, early November, right? Yep. You know, if we're talking about college women's basketball, we could go into that scrimmage and we could go work it. Mm -hmm. And we could walk out of that place going, man, I, I worked on that court. I've been in that place. I could do that. But I guarantee you that there's a very small percentage of those people that could work the scrimmage that could also work the game in February. Right. You know, and so we well, get this.
2: work it and be successful at it. Correct. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yes. Well, or, or even just work it. You know, <laughs> yeah. even just get the assignment. Yeah, right. Because right? yeah. mm-hmm. what you get in this assignment, it's not the same as getting that assignment. Yeah, that's true. Right? Yeah. And so, but yet, if I'm sitting there going, well, but, but I did that, I should be doing this. Mm-hmm. They don't always connect. It's not the same thing, and so I think that's that's really important that we understand having an accurate evaluation of who we are and being able to own that ourselves is really big. Now you brought up something that I think is the next step there, which is that person that is constantly all over themselves. That person that never thinks they're as good as what they are. How does that hold somebody back?
2: Yeah, I'm gonna go backwards on you like we've done before, right? And I feel like this this needs to be said. If I, Jeff Cross, whatever, you know, a handful of Division I games, goes down and works a junior high boys game, I'm probably going to be able to walk right through that. Yeah. I'm going to be able to do it. It won't be a big thing.
1: Nope.
2: When the junior high official, junior high boys official says, I'm going to go work 10 Division I games, it's – it's just not the same. Even though when I worked with this junior high official, they were like, "I got this. I'm under control. I've got it." And that's what we've talked about in previous podcasts. You know, when our yardstick, when it changes, we need it, when it when we come get to the top of that, we got to make sure we make it longer so we can go further. When we're stop when we stop doing that, that's where we become very inflated. And like you know, we see it all the time. We see officials walking around inflated, how good they are. Well, have you tried anything hard lately? No, uh-uh. I just, you know, I'm just inflated and I'm going to try this. And back to your American Idol scenario, they are really good in a karaoke bar when everyone's had a six pack in them, you know, and they're, it's one o'clock in the morning and they just love this song. Mm-hmm. You just happen to be the person that was behind the mic, you know, yelling things into it. Yeah, they're going to tell you you're good. And that's what happens. That's You know, we've got people that... Oh well, yeah. Of course, they're going to tell you good. They're, they're happy to have two officials on the junior high boys game.
1: Mm-hmm. So yeah,
2: you're really good. You showed up, and yeah. that's where we, that inflation comes from. So, well, I, what was part of the product question? I'm sorry. It was uh, so
1: when we have somebody who then goes the other way. Right. They have an an overly negative mm-hmm. evaluation of yep. their abilities or their performance.
2: First things. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be around those people. Ah. It's It's very glaring to me. they're fishing for comments. It's very glaring for me. they they don't trust what they're doing, you know, whatever that may be. And it's it's very unattractive to see someone who can work and then gets off the game and talks about how bad they were. I don't like that. and I think that's that's a bad case scenario and'll I'll, I'll, I'll go backwards for me um, when I first started getting into Division one, and I remember my mentor saying to me, saying, you know, I would, you know, typically I'll do this when we referee games or whether it's be baseball, football, basketball, whatever the sport is, and you're new, you would come off the floor and say, you know, hey, you got anything for me? What'd you think? You know, those kind of things. Well, when you get to a certain level, we'll just say Division One basketball, the last thing your two partners want to hear is, hey, what'd you think? Anything I need to work on? Now you're not acting like a Division One referee. Now you're acting like the junior high referee looking for all this feedback. Not that feedback is bad, you know. So I'll put it into, into a different perspective. So me as, as a crew chief, let's say I'm a crew chief in Missouri Valley game, and I do we do all our thing. I'm with you, I'm with another official. Maybe it's your first year all in the Missouri Valley. We get all done, and you guys don't ask me anything. But I say to you, so, what you think of my crew chief responsibilities? Did you like them? You know, is there anything I need to do differently? Right away, most people are going to have a... Well, he do not even believe he's a crew chief because he's asking these questions. Not that we don't want feedback. And I think we can do that with certain people, certain close people that are part of your group. We can ask those things. But it automatically makes people look at you differently. And that's all there is to it. And, you know, the other analogy is... If I down a whole pizza, even though I'm not overweight, they look at you differently. Mm-hmm. What's going on here, right? Just, it's just the way that human nature is. So mm-hmm. that's what I would say. I would say the people that are doing it, you have to find a way to stop because it's very, very unattractive. Not just to me or someone else, but I'm sure it is to coordinators. It's, it is to coaches. It's You can spot it a mile away and no one wants to be part of it. So no one wants to follow that.
1: Yeah. And I would say there, I, I think there are two different kinds of people that have that overly negative view. I think some of them are the ones that you're talking about. They're, they're looking for positive feedback and that's the only way they know how to find it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was horrible to them. Mm-hmm. Oh no, you won't Were You were just fine. Okay. You know, there, I think there are others that really do have a, a negative self image. I think they struggle with that. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's it's a very honest, real place that they're coming from. Yeah. But yet it's still going to hold them back. Mm-hmm. Because if you never think you're good enough to do the next thing, you're never gonna go do the next thing. Yep. You're never even gonna seem confident doing the thing you're doing now. Right. You know, I've I've worked with officials at some levels where I'm going, man, they're so good. They could be working two, three levels ahead of where they're at. Mm-hmm. But yet, when you see the way they carry themselves, you understand why they're not. Yep. And it's not about their ability, because they have a a poorer concept of their ability. Their self evaluation is wrong, mm-hmm. and it does that now. Well, what,
2: I want to ask you this. So, where do you think that comes from?
1: I think it comes from a myriad of different places. I think it can come from upbringing. There you I go. I think mm-hmm. I think it can come from past experiences yep. I think it can come from trauma mm-hmm. that's happened I think there are lots of different things that can play into that yep. you know and it's where the officiating world we're in or it's it, talk about you know oh, I'm a horrible I'm a horrible dad I'm a horrible dad well if that's all your kids ever ever hear then they're gonna end up thinking you're a horrible dad and you may be a great dad yeah but if yeah. you're but if you're, there are things you know I, when when my kids were growing up I used to complain about all the things I couldn't give them because mm. I didn't make what other dads made, ah, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. You know, and if that's all my kids ever heard, then they're going to sit there and go, well, yeah, we missed out on a ton. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, But if we focus on things that we could do, it, it's
2: different. I mean, that even applies, you know, I'm in the education world. That applies, right? When that teacher tells this third grader, you're so behind on spelling. You just can't. You can't figure this out. What is the problem? They're just going to assume they're a bad speller.
1: Absolutely. And I
2: see it on the baseball field. When I got a first kid, you know, first-year kid playing baseball for me, and he misses every pitch. You know, you get 35 pitches in batting practice, and you miss every single one of them. I cannot say to that kid, you're never going to hit. Yeah. You just can't say it because that will take them. They may never play baseball again because maybe they find out they're no good at it, they don't like it, whatever that story may be. But they're going to take that experience into whatever else they do. I don't care, a neuroscientist. And they're going to say, I'm no good at it because that's, I'm just, once I fail, I've been told that I'm no good and that's the way I'm supposed to respond. So that is, for everyone listening out there, if you're, like we've talked about before, if you're dealing with young minds, even though they may not be good, you have to find a way to encourage them to keep going. Same thing with officials, right? Okay, oh, yeah, yep, you're not very good right now. Doesn't mean you can't be, you just presently struggle with. These scenarios and let's keep plugging away.
1: So then at some point, the way that we begin to get a litmus test for where our self-evaluation is is when we then reach out to get the evaluation of others. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that evaluation comes in very controlled environments. You go to a a camp or a clinic where you literally have an observer uh, or a clinician that is taking notes as you work, you are going to get some very direct feedback when that's done. Um, and most of the time, if if I think I'm great and everything in my evaluation is horrible, then there's probably a disconnect. If mm-hmm. I think I'm horrible and I've got really really good things, then there's probably a disconnect. Most of the time, those things are a little closer. Maybe there's things that we wish we could have done better, mm-hmm. or that we. We did better than normal, but, but that happens a lot. Um, but really, the best place that we get feedback to help us gauge where our self evaluation is is from trusted people, trusted relationships that are willing to be honest. And I actually talked about this in a, a thing uh, this last weekend. You know, there is a There's a difference between brutal honesty Mm. and cruel honesty. Brutal honesty is not always fun. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not. But sometimes that brutal honesty comes from a place of love and care and respect. Mm -hmm. You know, cruel honesty is I know this about this person and I know it's going to hurt them. And so I'm going to say it anyway. I may not have been asked for it, may not have you know, but the way it comes off, I, I believe that as officials, we need brutal honesty. But the only way that's gonna happen is if I have developed and cultivated relationships hmm. with people to get that. Mm-hmm. So like there are times in the course of a season I'm going to send you clips or maybe a couple minutes from a period of a game or whatever, or on the baseball side, I may send a guy a couple innings worth of video Go, man, I felt like I was struggling with the low outside pitch. Are you seeing the same thing? Is there a way for me to fix this, whatever, and then get that feedback. There's also times that I'm going to do that, as we talked about in one of our other podcasts, with somebody that's kind of at the same level as me. Because one of the things that I've learned as I've begun working up is that things that might not be a foul in your game, yeah. because the athleticism is different, because mm-hmm. their ability to play through contact yeah. and stuff like that is a little different, is absolutely a foul in my game, because they don't have that same athleticism <laughs> yeah, and ground, body right. control mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. you know. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's really good to have somebody that's working at that level with me mm-hmm. give me input on that. But they have to be people that I trust. And so it goes back to that relationship piece. The thing that I'd like to ask you about is what do we do when we get negative, okay? I'm not talking about soul crushing. I'm not talking about that cruel honesty, but what do we do when we go to somebody that we trust and the brutal honesty that they give us says, we're not where we thought we were. We're not as good as we think we are. What is it that for someone who has an uncommon drive, how do they respond? To that kind of information coming
2: today? Well, I have to say this first. When someone asks me for feedback, you know, I'll get phone calls all the time and, you know, hey, I want to run this play by you and they run the play by me or they send me the clip and then they call me and, you know, they'll, they'll want to know my, my, my thoughts on it. I ask them two questions. Do you want me to teach you or tell you if you missed it or got it right? What do you want me to do? Because that way I know because maybe they don't want to be taught. They just want to know if I got it right or wrong. Mm-hmm. usually if they say, just tell me if I got it right or wrong. If I tell them they got it wrong, now they want me to teach them. <laughs> so there's a big difference, right? Sure. Um, so I think that is, if, if the people you're calling don't ask that those types of questions, we need to call, we need to find those people to ask those type of questions. And when you call, if you're not prepared to say, teach me almost 100% of the time, There's times when you just need to know the answer because you're trying to send it to the boss. Mm -hmm. You know, you just need. I haven't heard back from the boss yet. Whatever that may be, but you want to be going towards question one all the time. Teach me. I want to be taught. So that person who is trying to get that honest feedback, you have to make that an upfront um, statement when you when you call them. Hey, Jeff. It's you know. Hey, Chad. It's Jeff. I just sent you a play. Could you look at it? I'm really hoping you could teach me a few things in this play. And that that is going to help with your evaluation. More than just sit back and wait because now you're putting that you're putting a problem on the mentee or the you know the person you're, you're you're counseling, you're getting counsel from. Do, what do I do I be brutally honest with them? Are they going to take it wrong? What kind of mindset are they in? Do you when you reach out to people, you have to the first thing you got to do is get in front of say, listen, I'm in a good mindset, I'm not depressed. I'm you know whatever I need to know, brutal or not, what's going on here? because I, I've this is two weeks in a row, I've missed this type of play. That's where you're gonna find the best evaluation. And I, I truly believe, yeah, you want to have people you can you, you trust, but I truly believe it doesn't make any difference who you call. If you call someone that has some sort of experience in the officiating world, you're gonna learn something if you put yourself out there right away like that.
1: I I want to kind of begin to to wrap us up here today with a little bit of a story, and I'll I'll, I'll push back on what you just said just a little bit. I I, I agree that anybody who's been around who has some experience and all can offer something of value mm-hmm. to someone, mm-hmm. but if it's not somebody that I trust to be learning from then it's really hard for me to say yes to that first question, mm. right? You know, there there has to be a level of trust involved in that for it to work. And sometimes the best teachers I know are not necessarily the ones that have risen to the top levels.
2: They're not necessarily the best referees, right?
1: You know? Yeah. Um, or maybe they, they really are great referees, but for whatever, maybe it was their job limitation. Maybe mm-hmm. it was other things. Maybe they're not working at those levels, and they're working at a different level. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what's that's been there. Uh, I don't know if you remember this. So I, I know you remember in, in generality, but several years ago, you and I um, went to Purdue University. Okay. Rachel Rayford, Division uh, oh, yeah. I mm-hmm. uh, basketball official, was working with the intramural program at Purdue uh and uh, she had asked you to come over and share with the the basketball officials uh, that were working the intramural games all those college students uh, some of whom now are college women's basketball officials in sure. fact several of them mm-hmm. it's really kind of neat to, to look back on those those years in fact i just assigned one of those officials to a couple games nice. uh, for this upcoming season that was kind of neat to do that but uh the uh we went in there and we were talking, and a, a big focus that you had that day was just trying to help them understand that there was a world potentially open to them in the world of collegiate officiating, regardless of what sport it was. Of course, you were speaking from the women's basketball side, but we talked to people that wanted to do men's basketball. We talked to people that wanted to do baseball or mm-hmm. football or other things, and, and lots of people asked lots of questions. And it was a it was a really neat environment that night. And you were trying to help them understand that they didn't have to be the best of the best to still have a place. And I don't know if you remember this statement or not, but you, you used me as an example. And you pointed at me, and you had me wave to the group and everything, you know, and you said, Chad is an average official at best. That was the statement you used. Chad is an average official at best. I'm so sorry. No, you have to be sorry. We're getting there. He said, Chad is an average official at best, but he's still working 60-plus college basketball games a year. Mm-hmm. And so what you were, you were using that as a way for them to understand, okay, just because you're not the best of the best in your intramural program or wherever doesn't mean that you can't be learning and grow up and, and have a really great opportunity to do some neat things. Well, the moment you said it, I was deflated because mm. here was this guy that I trust, that I, you know, <laughs> done all these kinds of things with. And he's telling everybody that I'm average at best. Right. And so I went, I went back that night. I did not sleep well that night. And you, I, you can know the exact day that it happened because in the middle of the night, I posted something to Facebook. And the thing that I posted to Facebook, because that's what we all do when we're frustrated, right? We go into social media. <laughs> that's there right. Tell know.
2: people that I don't even know their names. That Tell is all it, right? It,
1: right. And the the quote that I put up there was, be motivated by the fear of being average. Mm. Be motivated by the fear of being average. And as I as I walked through that, I realized why you said what you did. But then I also thought, man, if I'm an average College women's basketball official, do you know how good that makes me?
2: (laughs) Right. I mean, seriously, think
1: about it. I mean, how many college basketball officials are there in the nation?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, lots. You know, Mm -hmm. and if
1: I am somewhere between, you know, 35% and 65% or 70%, you know, if I'm in that middle section, man, that's pretty great. Yep. You know, that's good. But... I didn't want to stay average. Mm -hmm. And I think the thing about uncommon drive is that it takes those times. When we do get on, that was a very accurate statement. In fact, at that time, it may have been a gracious statement to say that I was average. It was like your first year,
2: right? First or second year.
1: We were like three or four in, but that's okay. (laughs) I was already working NCAA basketball, but that's all right. (laughs) Averagely. Averagely. I was averagely working. Uh. But in the midst of that, I I began to say, you know what, if if that's where I am right now or if I'm on the cusp of of being that, I don't want to be that next year. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be that the year after that. And I don't want to be that the year after that. And the reason I know I was a few years in is because that was like my mantra the entire next season. We didn't talk about it, but that was my mantra the entire next season. And that was the season I got my first conference tournament. Mm-hmm. And I believe that there are many of us that if we hear something like that, it's it's deflating and we're like, okay, well then that's as good as I'm ever gonna be. So I don't say that to to puff me up or anything. I I say it because I want I want us all to understand as we're listening to this that again, regardless of the sport, regardless of your job or business or home or whatever, if we use that self-evaluation. And then that confirmation from others that we trust to to really solidify that, Mm -hmm. then we get a choice, right? Am I willing to stay where I'm at or do I want to be more? Right. I think the common thing is to say, well, if I'm average, then okay. I'll take 60. I can have a great career. I'll take 60 games. I'll take 60 games a year. I'll get my checks. Mm -hmm. I'll do my stuff. And that's what it's going to be. Yep. Hey, you know what? I'm... You're an okay salesman, great. I can make enough money to take care of my family and do this or do that or whatever. But I think uncommon drive propels us to something greater. And maybe next year, instead of being at the 55th percentile, I'm at the 54th, I'm I'm just one better. But guess what, I'm better than what I was because I used that that self-evaluation And then what I hear from the outside, feeding into that to propel me forward rather than hold me back.
2: And you know what you talked about, there's brutal honesty. And what was the other one that was, uh, there's cruel cruel honesty, right? It was a brutal, honest statement.
1: Yeah.
2: Imagine if I wouldn't have said it, Mm -hmm. where would we be?
1: Yeah.
2: We, you might just be doing the same thing and we have a conversation like Jeff, I can't figure out why I'm not, I can't, I'm not getting anything. I'm not making any kind of elevation. I'm not doing those things. And I tell people all the time, and you know, listen, I don't want to apologize because I'm sure I, that was exactly what it was. Sure. I was just stating the way I saw it. Sure, I call them call them like I see them, right? Yeah. But you can never go wrong with honesty. Yeah. You can never do it. You can. It'll never be the wrong thing to do. It may sting. Sure. You know, and it it may even you know make me feel a little bad for being that honest, but. That is what's going to happen when you hear that honest statement from someone you trust. Like, whoo, you know, and we've talked about it in previous podcasts. You know, I had a play where I called the foul at the end of the game, and everyone, well, my partner says, Hey, good call. Well, listen, it's not a good call until the boss says it's a good call. Yeah. You know, so that same scenario, if I would have said, let, let's just say you were, you know, man, this guy got a rocket ship connected to his back. You're going to see him on TV in a few years. And that was the case; that would have helped you. Mm-hmm. But if that wasn't the case, and I said that, that probably would have slowed you down, or maybe even made you decline.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Excuse me, it's coming through. Jeff Cross said I got a rocket ship on my back, <laughs> right? Yeah. And now here you are working at you know Joliet Junior College, you know four times a year, and that's all you got. What happened to the rocket ship? I I, I put I you know choked out the gas, so you can't go anywhere. So i also want to say this so if you're if the average right mm-hmm. whatever that number is we'll just say 40 to 60 okay. is average okay there's a lot of things you have to do just to go to 61
1: mm-hmm.
2: to make yourself to above average it's not like well i just keep plugging away at average eventually i'll be above average no there's a lot of things you have to do to get to 61. There's only one or two things you have to do to get to 29. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, the bottom line is it's it's harder to go up than it is to go back down. When you're going down, it's easy. That's the easy part. Just stop trying, you'll eventually go down. But you can try and try and try and try just to get 61. And 61 is very hard to hang on to. It's way harder to hang on to. Above average is way harder to hang on to than average is. So I wanted to say that.
1: I agree. Guys, thanks for hanging with us this week. And uh, we look forward as we continue to walk through this season, as we move into other sports and talk about other things as the year goes on. Uh, we look forward to talking about how we can have an uncommon drive towards success. And we use the lens of officiating to do that. But I hope you're hearing, I hope you're seeing how this applies to so many different areas of life. Have a great week. And we'll talk to you again next Thanks, y'all. Thanks for being a part of the Uncommon Drive podcast. We hope that you will check us out online, that you'll give us a five-star rating, and that you'll subscribe so that we can share more content like this with you in the future.